The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 103 of the Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands, one of the hosts of The Catholics of Oz. Welcome to episode 103. So good to have you with us today as we explore more faith, culture, science, Star Trek, we are going to talk about that later, aren't we, Lito? Yeah, and soccer, really. all of the good oh, things. Yeah, the good yep. things. So we'll oh, get yeah. into that later on. Regular things. Uh, but <laughs> I'm joined today by my lovely sister, Caroline Knights. I should call you my spring sister because the weather's been all right this week, hasn't it? It's felt like spring. It was lovely this week. I really enjoyed the sun and I, feel like I was wearing a t-shirt, you, you know, like in <laughs> yeah. winter. Yeah. Unheard of. Yep. Unheard no of. No jumper, yeah. just jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I was happy. It's it's turning a bit now, but you know, yeah. I enjoyed those first those few days of spring slash winter slash yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, hopefully we get a couple more of those from time to time. But we are also joined by Lino Sabol. Lino, how are you going? I'm good, Lindsay. Hey Caroline. Everyone who is listening. Yes, like Caroline said, um the weather is changing because we were talking about that in the last podcast about El Nino and La Nina. Yeah, Lee Nina. Yeah, and all yep. that. And it's the yeah. naughty children, as I like oh, to refer to them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they are naughty children. <laughs> okay. Playing around with the weather. <laughs> yep. They need to go time out. <laughs> a little girl, a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the weather's been interesting this week, even though we're in August. So, it's the last month for us for, for um, winter. So, it has been very cold. It's mm. Yeah, Caroline. Yeah. My daffodils have actually come out, which Sweet. I'm surprised at. Yeah, Whoa. they came out a bit early, and I can see my tulips starting to come out. Usually, they're about September. September, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. it's, it is unusually warm this year. Is there a Weird Al song about tiptoeing through the tulips? Was that Weird Al? Was that someone else? Oh, no, no. There is a song about it. It wasn't a I great song. I mean, I'm not saying we no. should listen no. to it. In fact, don't listen to it. It was very silly. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. I thought it was about a sound of music, but I was thinking about... No, 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 no. It was a childhood thing. I'm sure it was a childhood thing, wasn't it? Okay. Okay. All good. You know, <laughs> Distant <laughs> memory, <laughs> Lindsay. Some strange music. Some strange music came out in the 80s when yeah, we were children, I'm just saying. in yeah. the 90s, yeah. <laughs> I understand that, yeah. yeah. A lot of good music, too, though. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, let's move on. Back on track. That's what you're getting when you listen to the Catholics of Oz. Bit of fun. So, bit of childhood nostalgia. So, uh, if you're new to listening to the show, first of all, welcome. So great to have you with us. Uh, you can subscribe to the Catholics of Oz on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so that we can hear from you and reach new people as well. All of the shows for the Catholics of Oz and SQPN are on YouTube, so you can subscribe there. And don't forget to hit the bell to get new notifications when new episodes are released. So with that, team, let's go on to talk about Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. Let us 
ACL I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So today, I wanted to bring up documents that was released by the Australian Catholic Bishops Conference Office of Evangelization. I think that's what it's called. It's it's about evangelization anyway. So evangelization is in the name of the office. So we'll go with that. But it's like the Commission for Evangelization or something. But anyway, regardless of my inability to remember what the office is called, uh, it's a it's a great document because it's um it's very short. It's six pages. It's um thirty paragraphs and a very easy read. And I don't know how much reach documents get when they're released online through the website. So I just wanted to highlight a little bit. I mean, we've been pretty passionate about the topic of evangelization, missionary discipleship, you know, all those, all those things that, that the church is really pivoting towards, you know, in renewing itself worldwide in this area, in trying to make the church more Christ-like, allow more room for the spirit to move in the church. And so this is the Australian churches, you know, our our little contribution from our little part of the world, our little corner of, of the planet, which is actually a sphere. So good luck with that one. <laughs> Don't fall off the edge. Let's go flat earthers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there you are. One for you guys. All right. So we, we love everyone. Yeah. So um, let's dip into it. So again, with documents, I could never cover everything, the length and breadth of everything that's in a document, but I will cover some of the key points and then encourage everyone. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, I encourage everyone to find some time to have a read. So the document is simply titled Evangelization. And it offers a scriptural and theological reflection on the proclamation of the gospel through the lenses of encounter, discipleship, and mission. So these are the three words that we'll hear as the headings, the sections of the document. And I think it's a good way to divide it up because it does simplify our understanding of evangelization and help us to understand what it means. So the document uses two well-known parables as as its foundation. One is Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well in the Gospel of John. And then the other one is the road to Emmaus, which is in the Gospel of Luke. So these, it describes it as anchors for the consideration of the themes of encounter, discipleship, and mission. So the Bishop's Commission felt compelled to provide something further of a blueprint for evangelization in our current context. And it says, and we commend it to the people of God as part of our journey of walking together. So the document begins, first of all, by asking everyone to read those two parables on um, one on the Samaritan woman at the well. So as you know, this is Jesus meeting the woman in the middle of the day when it's hot. She's not meant to be there. It's, you know, because normally you would go to the well in the morning when it's cooler in the earlier part of the day to collect water. But she's uh, shunned by her particular, you know, society because she uh, has had multiple marriages and she's a bit of an outcast for all those kinds of things. But Jesus goes to meet her there to, to share with her. Uh, and then she becomes an evangelizer basically after that. So we have that one. And then the road to Emmaus, we know very well about the two travelers who are discouraged. They're walking away symbolically. There's some symbolism there. They're leaving Jerusalem uh, and walking away. They're walking away from the mission. They're walking away from, you know, from, uh, from Christ and everything else because they're discouraged because the one who had come with all of the promises of God was murdered, crucified on a cross. And Jesus walks with them. Here we are, encounter evangelization, right? Jesus walks with them. He listens to them and then he explains to them and then they encounter Christ in a very deep way. And then they become evangelizers too, because it says that very hour they went back to Jerusalem. So they didn't wait till the morning. They went back in the evening. They went, they left. They went that very hour and, and proclaims that they had met the resurrected Jesus and it, it brought that fire to their hearts. 
So the document uses those two. I mean, there are so many passages, right, that we could use for evangelization, mission encounter and so on. But those are the passages that the document wants us to focus on. So it will make, as I go through, it will make reference to these um, and uh, as I talk about it. So first of all, for me, evangelization is a bit of a scary word, I think, for Catholics sometimes, because when you think about it, what does it sound like to you guys? You know, when we say you have to evangelize or you should go and evangelize, what does it sound like to you? Get on that street corner and shout out to everybody and harass everybody and try and make them go to church. <laughs> almost that sound right too. Yeah, almost like that. Yeah, almost like it's like it's like well, when um, just quickly, you know, I was in in the shopping center and someone comes up to me, and you think it's just a woman in the pram with a child, and she goes, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And I go, "Yeah, I do." And then she just talks to me, and I go, "Okay, <laughs> you're another denomination, and let's talk about Jesus." Yeah. And that's sort of that's that's the way they would evangelization their way. Yeah, and I totally understand. I totally respect that. And that's, sure, sure. Sometimes it's <laughs> I can't see myself yeah. going out there and do that. It's uh, yeah. it's a bit mm, bit personal. <laughs> yeah. We talked about in, I don't know, it was one of our first 10 episodes about a tract, remember? Mm. A guy a guy in the United States, because mm. you know how they leave a tip, right? Yes, correct. Yes, correct. We know in the US you do this, right? You leave tips. We don't do that mm. here. That's not, not really a thing. Yeah, it is. It is Unless it is. you use Uber Eats. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> then, then you can leave a tip if you want to. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's not it's not part of our culture in the sense that we're not supplementing the wage of someone else because mm. they, they get paid a, you know, a, a fair wage, I guess. Anyway, that's yes. a whole, whole other story. Yes, yeah. However, a guy in the United States left what looks like a $50 note for, for a waiter. And then when they picked it up, it was actually a pamphlet that said, have you met Jesus? Ooh. Which we talked about being a really dog act, not a great thing to do oh, yeah. uh, in terms of, yeah, you know, but, no. but when, when, but as you guys were referring to, as when we think about evangelization, we think it's, un, it's about this uncomfortable, right? That you have to go out and meet strangers and go, hey, you need Jesus in your life. Have you met Jesus? That kind, you know, or door knocking, mm-hmm. you know, all these things where we're going to get spat at and, mm-hmm. and yelled at and, you know, but that's not necessarily what evangelization mm. has to be. There's actually, you know, there are better ways. And again, not knocking anyone who does it that way. No, you know, no. I mean, to your courage, really good. Mm. But yeah, no, honestly, yeah. if you can do it that way, it takes a lot of bravery yeah, to actually it do it. it and does. it is commendable yes, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess what I'm getting at is that, there's not one template for how to evangelize, if that makes sense. There are many ways. And here is another way that the church is encouraging us to think about it. So the first thing is, it has three fundamentals of evangelization. The first fundamental is encountering Jesus. So what is it? From a biblical point of view, Jesus commissions us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So that's it from Matthew 28. So regarding the more popular definition, St. Therese of Lisieux, she contributed this, making Jesus known and loved. So this is evangelization. It is about facilitating an encounter with Jesus Christ. We are the disciples of Jesus and we facilitate that encounter because only Jesus can change hearts, not us. So the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus, according to the document, in this extraordinary, mysterious way without being able to say it clearly, she simply returned to the village and told everyone, he told me everything I have ever done. So the amazed disciples themselves, when they encountered Jesus, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us? So we have two examples in these parables or in these stories about encounter with Christ and what it's like, what it is like to encounter Christ. One is someone, you know, the Samaritan woman, he knows me deeply. He knows me more than I know myself. And the other one is 
When he was near us, our hearts were burning as he explained scripture to us, the proclamation of scripture. So one of the first, fun- this first fundamental of encounter is an extraordinary, deep and profound personal experience of God uh, through, with and in Jesus Christ. So both texts, we see that Jesus takes the initiative and creates an invitation for these people to personally encounter him. So Pope Benedict XVI in Deus Caritas Est, paragraph one, explains being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives a new horizon and decisive direction. So that's the first fundamental in the document. It's about having an encounter with Jesus Christ and not like a, hallelujah, Jesus came into my life and, you know, and he said to me, blah, blah, blah. all right. So again, if that's, if that's your experience, that's fine, but that's not everyone's experience because our lives are so different, right? But sometimes that encounter with Jesus is my heart was on fire when I heard, you know, this particular thing about Jesus being said. And then I knew that a relationship with Jesus was a possibility. And as Pope Benedict says so beautifully in that line that was quoted, it's a new horizon, right? With, there was a, one horizon that we had when we looked out at our lives, you know, the, the course of our lives. At, but Jesus creates a new horizon that's beyond the horizon that we have. It's a, you know, it's an eternal horizon. And that's the relationship with, with Jesus. And that's what's so beautiful about it. I should also mention, by the way, that the document beautifully ties together Pope Paul VI, Saint Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict XVI, and Pope Francis. It, there's a beautiful unity of, of continuity about evangelization from all of them. So I may or may not mention some of those as we go through. Uh, so the second fundamental um, is discipleship. So in evangelization, that um, how does Jesus evangelize? How does he make disciples? So going back to the Samaritan woman, uh, how does he make a disciple out of her? It says Jesus engages patiently with her in a very gradual, merciful dialogue that evangelizes. So it's a very hot day at the well. He simply asks her, and, and notice the conversation starter, give me a drink. <laughs> that's, that's how it starts. Mm, mm, All right? So right. it's not, hey, I'm Jesus. Have you met me yet? I'm going to come into your life now. <laughs> yeah. All right? You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, would you like to know me? Here's a track. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. He says, give me a drink. Right? So this to me speaks about the incidents, you know, incidental moments in our lives that become opportunities for us to be disciples. Mm. Uh, and usually what I find, and I work in a school setting, but also outside of that as well, it's not because I say, have you met Jesus? It's because of a conversation I'm having with someone exactly. and they know who I am and what I stand for. Right. And the questions start naturally. Mm. Uh, you know, what, what does your faith say about this? Or, you know, as a person of faith, how might you look at this particular issue? So it's about this conversation and dialogue rather than saying you must follow Jesus, otherwise you're going to hell, which I've encountered before as well. Mm. So anyway, so Jesus moves her from the literal drinking water to saying to considering the possibility of having living water, which is him. Now, she doesn't quite understand what this means because she has this physical understanding, but Jesus gives the spiritual understanding of a spring welling up deep within her. Now, with the amazed disciples, Jesus gradually again initiates a dialogue with them. He scolds them initially for being so slow to understand but uh, in Luke 24, 25, but then he patiently explained and opened the scriptures to us. This is what they're saying. And we recognized him in the breaking of the bread. That's Luke 24, 32 to 35. So our discipleship conversations when we evangelize is gradual. They're patient. We walk with people um, and in walking with them, explain the mysteries of faith. And it says here, it's a synodal experience. Again, what's the synod? We walk with people and we bring the faith gradually into their lives in the, you know, over the course of their lives. So faith and discipleship, it says, 
is something that is proposed but never imposed on anyone. Yeah, totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's a great one, isn't it? To to hang on to exactly. Yeah. Again, we're not imposing on anyone's life. Jesus never imposed. All right. Jesus always proposed. Exactly. He went to the cross for it, but that was his way of doing it. So faith is invitational. Jesus never proselytizes, which says, you know, leave your faith and join my faith. All right. But Jesus does say, follow me. Hmm. You know, he has this conversation. He gets people to the point where he says, all right, now follow me, Hmm. Um, but never forces anyone. He evokes very deep questions in them. And we see lots of powerful conversations that Jesus has in scripture. Um, These very deep conversations of faith. What he says leaves a deep impression on people. So what we say too, then it says, of our faith can be used mightily by the Holy Spirit to bring people to faith. It's not what we say also, but it's also our lifestyle as well that should evoke questions in others. And so by lifestyle, it says witness. We are all witnesses to faith and not necessarily teachers of faith. It was talking about how people listen to witnesses first, not to teachers, because witnesses actually live out their faith. They're actually doing it, right? So rather than saying, you should be like this, you should follow Jesus. A witness is just following Jesus and people see that. And that's what we're, and that's what this document is calling us to do is be a witness. And it says, look at all the other great witnesses. This is why people are fascinated by the stories of the saints. And it says here, look, for example, at the witnesses of our faith in Mary and St. Joseph. Very little is said by them in the gospels. Uh, However, in St. Joseph's case, he says nothing at all, really. Nothing is spoken directly by him. But what we learn of them we witness the presence of Christ in their lives by their actions. Mm. They then become evangelizers and intercessors for us. So witness can take all kinds of forms uh, in, in the things that we do. So the third and final, I know I'm speeding through this document a little bit, so hopefully I'm getting the, the good bits out there. But the third one, the third dimension of evangelization is mission. And it says, for mission, it says evangelization, which is missionary, Marian, and synodal. So I'll go through those, those points briefly now. Again, using the Samaritan woman um, as its example, it says once the Samaritan woman encountered Christ, she became a disciple. She immediately goes out in a missionary style. From there, she's, she's a missionary. She cannot contain or stay still with what she has. She runs back to her town and she tells everyone about Christ. And then she says to them, come and see. So this beautiful invitation, come and see. Um, and in her haste, she leaves. We, it talks about how she leaves the water jar behind, which is the very reason she went, right? She was going for physical water, but she found the spring of living water within her. So later on, the villagers come out to see Jesus and the disciples. And it's not just her testimony that draws them to an encounter with Jesus, but their own investigations. And then they say in John 4.42, we know that he is truly the savior of the world. So they become witnesses of Jesus as well through that encounter with him. The woman is the catalyst, just like the rest of us. We're catalysts for everyone else's encounter with Christ. And from that encounter, they become disciples and accept the mission. And that's what this document is, is saying is a, a, um, is a way for us to follow. The Emmaus disciples themselves, they transform into a vigorous, vigorous I don't know what vigorous is, vigorous missionary <laughs> mode. So um, it says, as soon as Jesus vanished from their sight, Luke 24, 31, that same hour they returned to Jerusalem, verse 33. They go back to the very place that they were running away from. Beforehand, they became hopeless and were dragging each other down. After this saving encounter with Jesus, the evangelizer, they make a complete 180 degree turn and go back to Calvary refreshed and renewed and become the first witnesses to the resurrection. They go back to the apostles and say, the Lord has truly risen indeed. And that's verse 34. So it then goes to Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, 
So stating where our missionary activities, Pope Francis says, you know, that it, there's, the document talks about the reliance on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we say the Lord, the giver of life in the creed mm. every week at church. And Pope Francis states, there is no greater freedom than that of allowing oneself to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's in Evangelii Guardium 280. Uh, it then moves from Pope Francis to Pope Benedict XVI. In Deus Caritas S25, it says here he articulates the church, church's long understanding of itself when he says the following. He says, the missionary impulse of the church, church being us, has a threefold responsibility. First, it's to proclaim the word of God to the whole world. Second, to celebrate the, sac- the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, as the source and summit of our missionary life, because the sacraments are our deepest encounter with Christ, obviously. And then number three, our missionary endeavor propels us to be missionaries of charity to others, especially those who are lost, lonely, or least. Our movement out to the peripheries, to finding those needing the caress and tenderness of Christ. And as an example, it will say that, um, for example, we do this in our parishes, we do this in our diocese, we do this in our schools, our charities, our religious communities, and the list goes on. So mission then has this threefold impulse. It has the faith aspect, the knowledge of God and the relationship with God, the understanding of scripture that feeds into each other, and it sends us out to proclaim. And as we proclaim, we, you know, we reach out to those who are lonely, lost, poor, you know, on the fringes of society, those who are marginalized, those who have been left behind, you, you, you know, the list goes on, right? That, that missionary impulse is that sending out. And what you will find most likely in your lives, all of us, is that they end up coming to us. Mm. So what do we do in that moment when people come to us? Do we, do we think in our mind, I haven't got time for this. I'm too busy. Or do we say, the Holy Spirit's put this person here right now and I'm going to minister, minister to them. But the first thing I want to say is not, have you encountered Jesus? The first thing I'm going to say is, can you make me a drink? All right. I'm being symbolic here, but you get the idea, you know, the conversation starter, right? You know, the welcome, the invitation and let the Holy Spirit do the work from there as we facilitate that encounter. Mm. So I'm going to skip to the end. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to talk about that Marian style. I should do that very quickly. So lastly, the, these threefold responsibilities are demonstrated in a mode, which is best described as the Marian style of evangelization or Mary. So Pope Francis has stressed this in particular. A Marian style proposes um, that with the tender mercy of Christ among us, holding the world close, especially those on the peripheries, it avoids all politicizations and polarizations as these impose themselves on the church and in the world. And we've, you know, we go left, right and center to talk about how much we don't want to politicize faith. There was this great cartoon that I saw once. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. It was a, a like a comic panel from an American newspaper. I can't even remember which one it was because it was so long ago. But you might remember when um, Pope Francis went and spoke to the United States House of Representatives when Barack Obama was the, the president of the United States. So that dates roughly when it was. I forgot what year exactly. And so he spoke. And then what you would see is um, he would say something. And the Democrats would be, stand up, yeah, standing ovation. Then he'd say something else. And the Republicans, yeah, standing ovation. So there's this kind of like, you know, he says something they love and they they round of applause, right? So sometimes both sides would stand up and sometimes one would stand up. And and you can you can just picture the issues he was talking about, where they would stand up, whatever, right? So then um, as different newspapers and media were unpacking what it was and what it meant and what it was all about, this great cartoon that I love. Where you've got you've got Pope Fran- a card drawing of Pope Francis, he's standing there in the middle, and on one side you've got Republicans yelling at the top of their lungs at Democrats, "See, he's with us," 
And then you've got the Democrats yelling at the top of their lungs on the other side over, over Pope Francis going, see, he's with us. Mm. And then you've got Jesus in the background saying, actually, he's with me. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's what I always think about with this line here. Um, it avoids, you know, our, our faith, um, the Marian style avoids politicization, avoids polarization, which tries to impose itself on the church and tell the church how to think. We don't think of faith through a political lens. We think of faith through a Christian lens always. Christ is the lens. The Holy Spirit is the guide. This is what brings us to the Father. Nothing, nothing else. All right, I'm, I pray for our politicians, all of them, all the time, because they are the ones who make decisions about our countries all around the world, but they don't lead us to Christ. The Holy Spirit does. We don't rely on them to evangelize for us. We're the evangelizers. And we don't evangelize by saying, vote for Dutton, vote for Albanese, right? We're, none of that at all. Not at all. So pulling faith out of the political realm, I think, is a really good thing to do. So lastly, and I know that that sets people on fire when you talk about politics, so God bless you all. So lastly, <laughs> um, it, it talks about, um, it refers to John Paul II uh, as a great evangelizer, a great example of witness, because as we know, his pontificate was long. In fact, all three of us, right into our childhood. You know, in fact, Caroline, you and I went to the MCG we as, I don't know what, five, six-year-olds or five, seven, eight-year-olds, yeah, you know, young, really very, little. very young. Yeah. I barely remember it, but when he came here, right, and they filled the MCG and he preached. Um, he went around the world to so many different places and he initiated World Youth Day. Uh, he's a good example of witness of sharing the Christian message and very a very, very hopeful Pope in the way that he proclaims the message. So it, it talks about this and it, it summarizes John Paul II in a way that we can look at it too. So first of all, it says in the conclusion, we are a missionary people entering into the cultural worlds of our society. And we do this all the time until Jesus comes again. And I love this last line. It says, in summary, all the church to preach all the gospel to all the world all the time. I love that line. And that's if, if you take one line away from it, from this document, that's the one there. Yeah, so that's the document on evangelization. Caroline, any thoughts that you want to say about that? No, it's it's beautiful. I, I I love what you said. I guess I can just like we can apply evangelization to our own lives and how to maybe think about how do we evangelize and some of us will be courageous enough like we have parishioners who are very brave and come up to everybody uh, yes. and hand out cards and yep. talk about <laughs> Jesus and, and fun and it's exciting and that's that's how they want to evangelize and that's really great. And then I think personally I'm not big on <laughs> approaching people because it's not my style, but yeah, yeah. Um, try to lead by example, sort of. So, like, I try to live a Christian life. And I think people notice when you're Christian and you're trying to live Christian values, they notice that. I think they really notice and they might go, why doesn't she swear or why doesn't she do this or oh, she doesn't believe in this issue or, or, or she doesn't agree with me on this issue, like the comment, like, like I don't necessarily go with the flow. Like, you know, yeah, I will yeah. stand up and say, no, I don't believe in this or I believe it should be like this or whatever. But I think you can be like evangelized just by being yourself, just living your Christian life. And I think that's a simple way to do it as well. So there's many ways to do it, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, live your Christian life to its fullest, right? Let mm. the Holy Spirit, you know, rely on the Holy Spirit. And like Pope Francis said, there is nothing more freeing than let the, letting the Holy Spirit guide your life. And so, um, yeah, that's a beautiful way. You know, live your Christian life. It's a good witness, isn't it? It that, is. That's what people be attracted to. Yeah. Exactly. And even just yeah. like people, like you just say, oh, yeah, I, I go to church on Sunday. And 
you know, not everybody does that. And they'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. okay. Yeah. Oh, you still go to church? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. And I love it. You know, <laughs> so mm. that's just a simple way. Yeah. That's it. And there's no need to be shy about saying you go to church, you're, you're a church goer. It's, I no. mean, like people will tell us that they go here, they go there, they do yeah. this, they do that. And they're not shy about it. It should be mm. as natural to us to say, yeah, I go to church. And if that's all they want to know, that's fine. Then yep. we're not, don't have to give them a five hour screed about it. Mm. I go yeah. to church, big deal. You know, and then you'll find later on they'll come up to you and ask questions because they'll want to know. Absolutely. Oh, so so what do you think about this? Or can we discuss this? Or you know, yeah. and and you always have the door open. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Leno, any any thoughts you want to add to this? Yeah, no, totally. Totally, I agree with Caroline saying it's it's uh, to evangelize is uh, <laughs> for myself is personally it's uh, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go definitely go to a person and go. You believe? Do I believe in Jesus? You need to believe in Jesus. You, you know, it's 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 their um choice of if they want to um to evangelize. You to take that, that first step in doing what you need to do to to express to other people how much you love Jesus. And the template we've seen here, encountering Jesus, and um then after that discipleship evangelization. You know, I like that sort of step in a way. To, to make yeah. go through the missionary and with everything that is um, to express your love. It's, it's, it's basically, I, think, I don't know if you guys think, I think it's just expressing your love to God and Jesus through other people, yeah. you know. And like we've talked about, people have their different ways of doing that. And for our Catholic faith, this is, well, we can do it either way. We can always go on the, on the sidewalk and do it. Yeah, that's going to be a bit dodgy. Um, I don't think <laughs> a Catholic person in the court to do that. But um, we can do it in the way that um, if someone comes and asks us or we can come to them and even just have a talk to them. Uh, I, like the, I like that little phrase you said that, you know, the conversation, not the phrase, sorry, where Jesus said, um, I like to have a, a, a cup of water. You know, if you see someone, you know, um, we do it with our families and friends. If we see them not having a good day, we like to come over and have a cup of coffee. We like to come over and have a cup of, cup of tea. You know, um, come over and have some sissies, or, or you know, it, it, something like that. You know, <laughs> cool. yeah, come over and have something. to sissies, yes, joins yeah. everybody together. It definitely does. It definitely <laughs> does. It certainly does. <laughs> Makes the world go round. You know, it's that sort of that sort of evangelization for us, in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm talking to a person who needs to understand or be closer to Jesus, even though they maybe they are, maybe be a bit closer, and just. Just basically listening and also um, just having a discussion, you know. And I think yeah. that's the way in a missionary work. You know, I, for me personally, I, I haven't done it for a long while. <laughs> I, I have to do it sometime. <laughs> but it has happened a few times with, um, especially people at work. You know, I yeah. must admit I'm probably only Catholic in my department, you know, and all of them know that. You know, um, not a lot of them have come up to me you know, and talked to me about um, Jesus. There's a lady there; she is Christian, and uh, we sometimes, yep. you know, send texts and everything like that. But it's just a connection mm. and just a discussion, a discussion that people need that we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, and uh, you, you know, we we just witness in you know that thing you said about love. Mm. I think is beautiful, right? It was that that good old song. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Oh, yeah. I can't sing, but you know what I mean. But, <laughs> but there's song. some they truth to that as well, right? Mm. There's some mm. truth to it. it there's mm-hmm. something extraordinary mm-hmm. about about being loving, and because it's easy to ignore people, it's easy to look the other way. Even in our churches, sometimes it's easy just to smile and nod at someone and keep going because I want to talk to them, right? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. But uh, the loving thing to do is to take an interest in 
in other people for their welfare, not not because we want the latest gossip or whatever, but just to you know ask them how they are. If they say I'm great, that's really good. If they say oh not so great, uh, maybe ask a little bit more. If they say I'm not so great, that's a that's a sign that you know they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's where the that's where the the witness part comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say oh Jesus will fix your problems, but to be a witness by saying as another Christ, I want to know what's you know I want to support you. That can present all kinds of difficulties, but as baptized, let's think about in our particular situations what it is that we can do, because it's very easy for all of us, myself included, to say I'm too busy for this. But if we're too busy for evangelization, we need to rethink how we're living our baptism. Love you all. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, just to cap off this topic very, very quickly, I'm conscious of time, so I can't spend a lot of time on this. However, we got some listener feedback. On Twitter, that glorious, glorious place of exchange of ideas with no filter. (laughs) Anyway, in our previous episode, in episode 97, we spoke about the Uluru Statement from the Heart and we spoke about the Australian Catholic bishops' um, support for the statement through the Plenary Council, through the signing of the documents for constitutional change with other religious leaders in 2019, through the... There was a statement that came out recently which came out after we recorded the episode which talked about how people should think really carefully. You know, everyone needs to decide. The ch- the document even says there may be legitimate reasons why a person would, would say no to the, the voice referendum later this year. But it says that it does say that constitutional change is the best way to go forward because this is what Aboriginal people, including Aboriginal Catholics, have asked us for. So we had a, um, a person who listens called Missionary Nurse uh, on Twitter. So firstly, I want to thank you for listening. And I do want to thank you, uh, clearly expressing a different point of view. We have different points of view and that's fair enough. So without criticism, you know, we had a bit of a dialogue on Twitter. And the first thing that missionary was asking was, am I racist for supporting no or the people who oppose my view racist? Or is it simply that there are better ways for us to address the injustices that First Nations face? We are yet to discover them. Isn't that the heart of the matter, so to seek? So I wrote back saying, I don't believe that voting no is racist. The majority of Indigenous Australians support the yes, but there'll never be 100% support for anything in any community. I've listened to, this is me, I said, I've listened to those who have explained support of no, but I personally find their arguments from those who support yes to be better. The missionary nurse also said that, um, that no, it's not like the Australian bishops don't necessarily all support it. So I provided documents and evidence to say actually it is. I can't go through every tweet because we'll be here forever. However, Missionary Nurse did ask me to share some points. So I'll just share, I'll try and I apologize for the language that's in this, but it says, first of all, a local bishops conference plenary council does not, in capital letters, make the position or argument a morally sound one. And then took the example of the German bishops, says the German bishops conference promoting blessings of sodomite unions. So I wasn't entirely happy with that language. However, I've said you'll have to prove how the plenary council is immoral then because it was comparing it to morality in supporting the Uluru Statement. But I don't think a heartfelt request from Indigenous Australians is the same as that example um, that that missionary use, uh, you know, nurse had put in. I, I put in a whole lot of other different documents because the thing is, if I'm going to make a point, I want to make sure there's documentary evidence. I'm not going to express what I think the bishops are saying unless... I have evidence of them actually saying it. However, if you go to episode 97 of our podcast, we have linked all the documents that I used, including the Plenary Council, which endorsed the Uluru Statement. They've said that several times. 
a link to the statement that the bishops signed with other religious traditions saying they support the statement. And I'll always go by what the church has officially said. And our leaders support the Uluru Statement from the heart. And they do support constitutional change. So now in August, the, the um, Australian Catholic Bishops Social Justice Statement, which is the voice of the bishops on an issue, whatever the issue of the year might be, uh, will be coming out on Social Justice Sunday. And it will be about Indigenous Australians. I don't know what's going to be in it because I haven't seen it. I have to wait till August like the rest of us. So when that comes out, we will, you know, we'll talk about that in a future episode. So with that, um, because again, I'm conscious of time, let's talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. Science, 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 science. Yeah, I like science. So, Caroline, topic that I love: exoplanets. I really, really want to see an image of an, an exoplanet, not a painting, like mm. from James Webb one day. Yes. However, over to you. Tell us about the latest discoveries in the area of exoplanets. So. Okay, I have to say, this topic was inspired by my son, Harry. So, like, every night before he falls asleep, he wants to talk about space. It helps him to fall asleep. Mm. So, Whose fault is that? <laughs> I may have inspired him a little bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talk about black holes, we talk about stars and planets and anything else he can think of, really. And then he'll ask me questions like, Mum, can a galaxy be eaten by a black hole? Or what would happen if Saturn was where the moon is now? Or what does the moon do for Earth? Or what would happen to us if Mercury didn't exist? Great questions. You know, the usual kind of questions that an almost nine-year-old wants to know the answers to. Mm. And And did you reply by saying, fetch me a cup of water? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Usually... I'm half asleep at this time (laughs) and I have to get my science brain out and we talk about it. You know, we talk through what could happen. We talk about gravity. We talk about all of these things and, you know, it is fun to talk about these things with him. And, you know, he also, another thing he likes to do before we sleep is like to watch YouTube videos about space and, you know, and usually this is where, you know, the questions come from. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So today this episode is dedicated to Harry. And yes, I wanted to talk about exoplanets because it's one of the things he loves to talk Mm. about. And, you know, he knows so much about it. It's it's really cool. It's really cool (laughs) that my little boy loves them. (laughs) So we have to talk about them today. So really... Exoplanets are basically defined as planets that don't orbit our sun. So all the planets in the universe, except for our planets in in our solar system, are exoplanets. And many exoplanets have been found by various research bodies and by different methods. And two of the most common methods are gravitational microlensing and the transit method. So briefly, the microlensing is one of the more commonly used methods for indirectly detecting exoplanets. It relies on the gravitational force of distant objects to bend and focus light coming from a star. Mm. As a planet passes in front of the star, the light dips measurably, which then can be used to determine the presence of a planet. Mm. 
and this method is best used for planets that orbit far from their host stars and it's also a good technique for discovering rogue planets and rogue planets are those planets who are not gravitationally bound to a star. They might have been flung out of their solar system, you know, through gravitational interactions with other planets. There might not have been enough room, so out you go. Um, <laughs> then there's the transit method, which measures a drop in the starlight caused by planets with orbits that are oriented in space in a way that they periodically pass between their stars and a telescope. This method is also useful for revealing the sizes of planets as well as their orbital periods. So let's talk about a few of these exoplanets. Now hold on, okay? We're going to go on for a little. We're going to go for a little journey. All right. At what? Let's talk. <laughs> yes, it will have to be because these are all yes, quite far oh, away. Yeah. So let's talk about one called Wasp Twelve B. Okay, they all have interesting names. <laughs> so this planet is a hot Jupiter, meaning it's a hot gas giant orbiting very close to its star, and the star is Wasp Twelve. This one was discovered on April the 1st in 2008 by the Super Wasp Planetary Transit Survey. This hot gas giant is almost two times the size of Jupiter. So imagine Jupiter, double it. Oh, wow. That is a big (laughs) planet. Incredible. Massive. It's 600 light years away and found in the constellation of Auriga. It takes this planet about 1.1 days to orbit its star. Wow. And it's so close to its star that it has a temperature of 2,210 Celsius or 4,000 Fahrenheit. It's a bit hot. Uh, Yeah. Hot. Not a holiday destination. No, definitely not. No. No. We may not want to visit this. Look at it from afar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The gravitational forces acting on the planet by its star are so strong that it has a huge tidal force that shapes the planet into an egg shape. It's egg-shaped Jupiter. The star is slowly causing the planet to swell and break apart while its atmosphere is being stripped away. Oh, wow. Mm. The star WASP-12 is actually gradually consuming the planet, and in about 10 million years, there will be no planet left. (laughs) They've got time. They've got time to solve the problem. (laughs) So we have 10 million years to figure out how to go and have a look at this yeah, planet it. before yeah, it disappears. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Crazy. Yeah, that is I incredible. Love this. I mean, it's crazy. Even being bent in, like, or transformed into an egg yeah. shape because of the, the strong That's gravity. a massive that's star the, doing yeah. that. No, that's, that's a very hungry very cool. star. Yeah. It's me. Oh. Very yeah. hungry star. Wow. Our, our solar system is nice and quiet place to be, so I'm happy yeah, to be here. That star's trying to eat us. No, thank God. Okay, so the next one. HD 189733B. Okay. Great name. (laughs) This one, yes, was discovered in 2005 using the Hubble Space Telescope Imaging Spectrograph. So on the surface, this exoplanet appears like a pretty deep blue orb. It's 64 light years away, and it is also a hot gas giant, slightly bigger than Jupiter. It orbits its star in 2.2 days. So the weather on this planet is quite fierce. You think our weather at the moment is crazy? <laughs> Listen to this, okay? It has winds that blow up to 5,400 oh, no, miles per hour no. <laughs> or two kilometres per second or seven times the speed of sound. Yeah, but great for sailing. Yes, great for okay, sailing. Okay, no, forget it. No, 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 the sound waves will kill you. No, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Amazing, though. Amazing. 
Yeah. Its atmosphere is much bigger than expected and is slowly being stripped away by its star as it's bombarded by solar radiation. Ooh, so this wow. one's being stripped away. The blue colour comes from silicate in its atmosphere, which forms molten glass after being heated up by its 1700 Fahrenheit or 930 degrees Celsius temperature. So not only would you have to contend with the amazingly strong wind, but you'd also need an umbrella that can protect you from glass rain. Whoa. So, yes. Yeah, I don't think we've invented that yet. Whoa. No. <laughs> so, yes, that's another one put on your travel list, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. If you're tired of the cold. Come and see our molten glass rain. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get all the tourists. Huh? We complain yeah. about our rain. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm glad it's not molten glass. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. Yeah. When it rains, so, it hurts. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> wow. So next on the list, we have HD 80606B. This one was discovered <laughs> using the NASA Spitzer Space Telescope in 2001. It's located about 190 light years away from Earth in the constellation of Ursa Major. It is a gas giant exoplanet about four times the size of Jupiter. Double it and double it. Oh my gosh, double that. Okay, that is massive. Okay, the interesting aspect of this planet is that it has a highly elliptical orbit around its parent star, which is HD 80606. Hmm. It's thought that there may be another star in the system causing the orbit to be elliptical. So maybe one's pulling from one side and one's pulling from the other side. It takes about 100 days to travel towards its star. And then when it arrives, it passes by very closely to the star in a period of about 20 hours and then flings back out for another 100 days. Hmm. During its orbit, HD's 80606b experiences extreme temperature fluctuations. At its closest approach to the star, the planet is subjected to an intense heating which causes the planet to heat up from about 500 degrees Celsius or 1,000 Fahrenheit to on approach to about 1,200 degrees or 2,200 Fahrenheit. And this fluctuation occurs with every pass by its star. It then takes about 10 hours for this planet to cool down as it passes away from its star. So, yeah, it gets cold. Then really hot for a while, <laughs> yeah. and then cool down again, and in an elliptical orbit. This is pretty cool, oh. huh? Yeah. Uh, just thinking, yeah, elliptical orbit, so it moves away. Does the planet, do we know if it spins at all? Or? Probably, I would assume. But, I mean, I don't know if they can detect that kind of thing from so far away. But Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Oh. I, yeah. I'd be curious about that too. Yeah, like if it behaves like a normal planet on this really odd orbit. I'd say so. It doesn't mention yeah. that it's a tidally locked planet. Some of them are, yeah. but yeah. yeah, that's the information I have anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to work out how an elliptical orbit of a planet works. That's fascinating. It's just, yeah. So instead of going yeah. round, round, so like yeah. a normal round, mm. the sun, mm. yeah, it'll be an oblong shape. It goes shape. out, right? It goes yeah, out. it'll, so, it'll what, go so? out. So it'll go... So, it, it passes yeah. by the sun really close, so it'll go round yeah. the sun, and yeah. then it has a long hundred days pass out. So it takes a yeah. hundred days to go long ways, yeah. right? And Does is that it make the gravity sense? of the star that pulls it back in? Is yes. that the idea? Or, I, yes. mean, I don't know if you know the answer to this, sorry. but like I It is bound it, to its star. That's yeah, why yeah. it orbits, wow. right? Just interesting that it's not like a round, a nice, happy yeah. round orbit like ours, right? That's why they think that possibly there is another star somewhere. 
that is oh. also pulling it, right? Oh my goodness me, two, so, two stars on the wall. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Which is un- not unusual for t- there to be binary systems. Actually, yeah. it's unusual for our solar system that we don't know of another star that's without exactly. yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, totally said, Usually yeah. stars, from what I've read, mm. yep. you know, they're usually binary systems. Systems. So, like Tatooine. that's why it's elliptical. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go on to the next one. GJ1132b. So this planet was discovered by the M Earth South Array team in Chile in 2005 and it was found using the transit method. This exoplanet is similar to Earth and is actually called a super Earth. Now a super Earth is a planet which falls in the size category between Earth and planets like Uranus and Neptune. And they can have a variety of characteristics. They can be icy or rocky or have oceans and are more likely to be in the habitable zone mm. of their solar system. Cool. Okay. Mm. But being a super Earth doesn't mean that the planet isn't necessarily habitable, habitable yeah. but it could be, mm. okay. right? Yep. So this planet orbits a dwarf star in 1.6 Earth days and it has a surface temperature of 137 degrees Celsius. Getting cooler. A bit better. It's a bit better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the previous one. A bit better. Yeah, yeah. Be better. Or 278 degrees Fahrenheit. It's believed that this planet has actually had two atmospheres, okay? So the first atmosphere of this planet was thought to be made of a thick layer of hydrogen and is quite large, making the planet actually about the size of Neptune. Goodness me. But this atmosphere was lost when its star was younger. It would have been much hotter and the radiation from the star would have stripped this atmosphere away. So then the planet has been reduced to the size of a little rocky Earth. The planet is so close to its star that the gravitational effects of the star create tidal waves that squeeze and stretch the planet to create violet volcanic activity. Gases from the volcanic activity coming from below the surface have actually formed a second atmosphere on this planet. So this is the first time a planet with a second atmosphere has actually been found. Wow. So cool. the current atmosphere has an atmosphere of hydrogen, hydrogen cyanide and methane. So this little rocky planet lost its first hydrogen atmosphere but now has a new one thanks to the volcanic activity which helps to replenish the gases lost to space. Cool. Can you imagine these planets competing for tourists? Like, uh, you know, well, I know, yeah. right? You don't go there. Their atmosphere has cyanide. And you're like, well, at yeah. least we don't have molten glass rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or alternatively, bla- brag about the molten glass molten rain. Yeah, yeah, that's but right. Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's travel to Very cool. last one. Ogle 2016 BLG 1928. Almost had a normal name until you got to the end. Okay, yeah. (laughs) This guy is thought to be a rogue planet, and it's the closest one to Earth. It's actually thought there are 20 times more rogue planets than there are stars in our galaxy. Oh, oh, wow. These planets just roaming around, okay? Mm -hmm. And about 4,000 exoplanets have been discovered in the last 30 years. So it was found by the microlensing technique in 2020 by Warsaw University and created a blip lasting 41 minutes, Mm. indicating that this is a small planet estimated to be between the size of Mars and Earth. Mm. So massive planets observed by microlensing um, can actually take days 
Smaller planets or mediumish planets um, takes hours, and this gives an indication to their size. So the fact that this one only took about 41 minutes means it's a very small planet. Mm. The planet is thought to be rogue planet, but the researchers are actually open to the idea it could actually be a planet that is very far from its host star, and at the moment they're unable to find that star. It may be beyond the eight astronomical units away from its star. So in comparison, Earth is one astronomical unit away from the sun and an astronomical unit actually is defined as exactly that, the distance from the Earth to the sun, which is about 150 kilometres or 93 million miles away. Mm-hmm. So not much is much more really is known about this little rogue planet, but you know it'll be studied more in future. But they were just amazed that they found such a tiny one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great find. Cool, yeah. cool, exactly. Cool. So there we go, a little tour of just a very very tiny sample of exoplanets in the Milky Way. <laughs> so cool. I, like I said, I just want James Webb to be able to take a, a, a snapshot of one of these, right? It's been taking yeah, so many amazing snapshots of yeah. planets in our solar system. Yeah. I just, yeah, it'd be so good if we could. Here's yeah. a planet you've never seen before uh, with your actual if eyes. James you know, Webb that, can, yeah. yeah, take pictures of another galaxies out there. He, not he, sorry. Telescope will be able to take shots of all these exoplanets for us that is slightly closer mm-hmm. for us to see. Even in mm. our own galaxy, oh, like, yeah. we can only so far yeah. see the planets in our solar system. Exactly. And I remember yes, the excitement right. about seeing Pluto for the first time. Like, <laughs> yeah, that I remember, yes. Around the time Harry was born. Like, I'm still oh, excited about that. <laughs> that was so Imagine exciting. seeing another planet from another system or a what, rogue yeah. planet for that matter. That so, is yeah. so cool, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for that, Carolyn. That's, uh, yeah, exoplanets is just such a fascinating topic, really. Just the idea, you know, like emerging over time that we're finding more and more of these mm. planets either around stars or, you know, floating around space, just hobbling around, you know, doing their thing. It's, it's so cool. So good. Awesome. Hopefully we'll find out, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, in the next decade or two, we'll probably get so much more information. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah looking forward to, I'm sure you'll keep us up to date on the, the developments as we hear more too. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Cool. Well, with that, let's uh, move on and let's talk about entertainment. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. It's not what we came here to do. No. It's what I'm going to do. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. So we've had a, a couple of different things that have been entertaining us recently. So, uh, Caroline, I'll throw it over to you. You've got a, an oldie bit of goodie, mm. the, the Jetsons. Cool. Tell us how this happened. Cool. We've gone a bit retro. So, yeah. okay. I can't help it with my kids, right? I make references to old cartoons that I used to watch <laughs> yeah. when I was younger. And they're like, what are you talking about, Mum? Huh. Okay. I understand, yeah. And I was like, you know, I was busy one morning going, oh, I wish I had a rosy robot to help me. And they're like, what are you talking hey. about? I'm like, okay, that's it. We're getting the de- the Jetsons. So I downloaded some episodes of the Jetsons and the kids love it. Like they love wow. all the yeah. space references. They love the interactions between the characters. You know, they're, they're made for kids. So it's funny. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Although looking back now, like living in the you know, 2023, <laughs> watching a cartoon from, you know, another era where society was different, you know, like different the men time. went yeah. to work, the women took the money from the men and went shopping. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know, it's very stereotyped. But putting that aside, yeah. it's still funny. Like, you know, I yeah. find that funny too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm enjoying going back and watching the episodes. And then I said, look, see, that dog is named Astro, just like our yeah. Astro. And they're like, oh, yeah. Astro. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. yes. So there you go. Yeah, the dog's got Astro. Astro also talks like Scooby-Doo, doesn't he? Is he, is he does. He barks like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say George, he goes, Rorge. Yeah, Yeah, he goes, Rorge. Right, right. I just want the car that turns into a suitcase when you get to work. Yes. That's all. I'm not asking for much. Just the car that will transform into a briefcase. He's putting it. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I've been waiting for floating vehicles from Mm, since the Jetsons, honestly, and nowhere near. Like electric cars, yeah, big deal. Make it float. Like make it fly. Make it fly, yeah. Flying car. Briefcase, yeah. Yeah. We're not asking much. Yeah. No. Rosie Robot. Like really, that is all. I just, in life, all I want is a robot to be able to come and make me a cup of tea and bring it to me. That's about it. So. Well, um, AI is um, there we stepping up, guys, so I wouldn't be surprised soon as soon as AI robot um, helping us. What, what, yeah, once we get past the human robot wars, I'm sure we'll have a great era of, you know, robotic. Yes. Got that human It'll robots be peace. Great. I've got that yeah. Terminator song, that theme thing in about yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Careful careful what you say, Lino. Skynet's listening. I know. I know. It's actual. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, although if Skynet does become a problem, we'll just send Arnold Schwarzenegger at them and we'll be fine. So we're good. We're good that to go. That means he's still alive, the poor guy. He's still yeah. good. He's still going. He's still He'll going. He'll live his AI. Yeah, 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 trying yeah. that. Yep. Haven't you seen Futurama? They put brains in jars and then you live. Yeah, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Heads totally, into, yeah, totally it's good. <laughs> it's real, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Well, speaking of Futurama, let's, I'll, I'll talk about my. I've got three. I'll be very brief about them. Futurama is back, baby. All right. Wow. So, uh, um, yeah, so it's on Disney Plus in Australia. I don't know where it is. It might they? I think Hulu is America's equivalent when it comes to shows like this. But in Australia, Disney Plus, um, they, so they, there's a new season of Futurama, uh, and I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, and they're releasing them weekly. So, look, Futurama is not a show you necessarily watch with your kids, but it does have a lot of that good old sci-fi humor, you know, like that comedy. It's like Simpsons, you know, meets sci-fi, and it's very funny in that sense. And the first episode was about how the, the typical plots, right? Fry wants to achieve something in life. So Leela really pushes him. You think of something you can achieve. In the end, he decides his achievement's going to be he wants to watch every single TV show that's ever been created. (laughs) So um, there's all these gags about, you know, TV shows being cancelled and coming back and cancelled and coming back again because Futurama, you know, so there's all these like, you know, in jokes that are going on. So it was quite funny. I I really enjoyed that. I'm reading comic books again. I thought, you know, that's what I've just, I needed a fast food in my Mm -hmm. life. So Mm -hmm. that's instead of actual fast food. So I bought a comic recently. It was the first uh, edition or not first, um, like book in the series called Star Wars Dark Droids. And it's about this, uh, intelligence, like this robotic intelligence, I think that spreads around and makes all the droids in the galaxy evil. Um, and I won't spoil it, but it's really cool. I actually enjoyed it. So the thing is, the thing is with comics, um, you have to wait every month for the next one Mm, to come out. mm, Right. So. Yeah, so anyway, Star Wars Dark Droids. I highly recommend that one for Star Wars fans. It is it is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed what I've read so far. And the other one I had was, I have to look at my list because I forgot. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I've um, been watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Yeah, so there was, I don't know if I talked about it last episode, but there was this brilliant crossover episode of Lower Decks uh, and Strange New Worlds. It was really funny. And most recently, at least at time of recording, I was really worried about this. I thought it was going to be really campy and really cringy, but they did a musical episode. And it was actually really good. Actually, yeah, it was actually very entertaining. So 
And what was good about it is like in a musical, the characters reveal their innermost feelings and like, you know, where they are. But it's good because the characters that we know and love from Strange New Worlds, they kind of reveal a little bit more. And James T. Kirk is in this one. Lieutenant Kirk is in it as well. And uh, he gets involved, like he ends up singing here and there as well, which is quite funny. But uh, without spoiling anything, it actually explores some of his backgrounds that we're aware of in later Star Trek series mm, and movies too. Okay. So I, thought, I thought that was really cool. So I was shocked that I really enjoyed the episode. It was called Subspace Rhapsody. And um, <laughs> you have to watch it. That's you awesome. have to watch it just for you have to watch it just for the K-pop Klingons. That's all I'm going to say. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just gonna for that. Uh, you sucked me so, in. Wow. Yeah. So, Lino, your one was also about Star Trek. So we'll throw over to you. You were to, um, you've been watching some more Next Generation. Yeah, Next Gen has been very good at at the moment. We have to season four. I have to double check, but we have to season four nice. now. Yeah. And also the women's um, World Cup soccer, which has been very good. Yes. Now. Go Matildas. Yes, yes, Telly. Go with. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely go for the Matildas. Their match against um, Canada was amazing. Amazing. I didn't know what. Uh, amazing. Did, sorry, Canadians for listening. Yeah, but sorry, we, Canadians. All right. Canadi- it was do or die for both teams, and yeah, oh, crazy got up, yeah. Um, Canadian cousins. I'm sorry, we would totally apologize yes. for that because um, it was four nil. Um, I didn't expect that. Yeah, it was four nil. All of us, none of us expected. It. We thought the Canadians. We were all nervous. Yeah, we really come yep, gunning out. It was do out. or die. We were very nervous. Yeah, but I, the commentators made it, quickly made it make a good point. But the Canadians had to come from Perth to Melbourne, which is yes, it is a bit that's of a hard. strange flight. That's a big journey. Yeah, yeah, and, the, um, and there's jet lag that involved in that too. Yes, yeah, it's very tiring. Yeah, exactly. And then the Matildas came from Sydney to Melbourne. Is it Sydney to Melbourne? That's yeah? nothing. I can't remember. Which, that's an hour. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's nothing. So the, the travel is a bit. A bit Strange, yeah. um, but um, yeah. yeah. Besides that, Star Trek Next Gen has been very good. Some of the episodes are it brings back memories of all days. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting, guys, watching this in high definition in a sense. Because back in the days, yeah, we used to watch them on, on VHS, and you have little That's grainy right. things on the side. But they still have the yeah. the box size <laughs> aspect ratio of this on your TV. On your yeah, TV, they've remastered them. Yeah, yeah. So, it's yeah, up, but that, yeah, they've left the size. Yeah, this is yeah. size up and everything. So. Interesting, yeah. interesting concept. And um, yeah, soon enough, um, I'm really looking forward to watching Picard before it goes on. Thing. But I'm sorry, Lindsay. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll be watching Picard. Sorry, Caroline. Oh, yeah. I know. I'll, I'll hurry up with this conversation because it's almost finishing. But we will get there. You do not know what you're I, missing. I, I, you do not I do know, know what you're missing. Hurry up and know. watch it. Caroline. Yeah. It is. I'm sorry. We're having a bit of an argument on our, on our podcast at the moment, but we will get there. We'll get there. Yes. <laughs> we are loving next Warp generation. Speed, you know? I know Warp Speed, but Bernie be loves it. Love, loves the next gen. Good. And she wants Look, to know evangelization. Exactly. Heaps of Star Trek to watch. Just take your time. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. always it's always there waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, that is if yeah, if um Paramount. <clears throat> Paramount yeah, if it doesn't move. Yeah, that's Paramount right. Exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, that's right. Before they get to there. But um, yeah, been pretty for good. Yeah. Besides um, yes, yeah, <laughs> space and um, soccer. It's been. <laughs> Space and soccer, yeah. Good, good. Yep. So yeah, in our in our next episode, which will come out two weeks after this one, we'll either be smiling or crying, depending. Yeah. We will. But But, man, uh, Monday night at time of recording, mm -hmm. can't wait. I think it's going to do a bit. Denmark. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a good match. It's going to be a tough one. It'll be a good match. It'll be a good match. Yeah. Either way. Great. Um. So let's wrap it up there. So we we want to thank you all first of all for uh, listening to the Catholics of Oz for episode one hundred and three. And as always, we'd love to know your thoughts about uh, our all of our episodes. So you can go to sqpn.com slash Oz, spelled O-Z, 
um, to see our links and also if you'd like to leave feedback as well. So we'd also, though, like to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Catholics of Oz. So today we want to thank Sorsha R, Abe, Joshua V, Roman V, and Luke P. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows at StarQuest to continue. So you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. I almost said Oz. Give. sqpn.com slash give. That's the one if you'd like to join in. Right. Um, yeah, I almost took money away from the network there. Sorry about that. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, know more about what's going on at the network while you're on the SQPN website, sign up for the Insiders Club newsletter, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter to learn about updates about your favorite shows. And uh, also uh, join us on Discord, sqpn.com slash Discord, where you can join the conversation and be part of the listening community for all the shows on the network, not just Catholics of Oz, and uh, be part of the conversations there. Don't forget all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, just type StarQuest, StarQuest Media, SQPN in all of those, and you'll find it. Just too many for me to go through right now. As um, Threads, okay, you name the social, we're probably, we're most likely going to be there. So um, you can find us there or good old email at which you can uh, send us a message to Catholics of Oz at sqpn.com. Caroline, thank you so much for being part of episode 103 today. Thank you. I've had a planetary time. <laughs> does that work? Yes. There you go. Yeah, it works yeah, just does, enough. It yep, works perfectly. Lido, thank you so much for being on the show as well. Live long and prosper, people. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Good one. And once again, thank you. I maybe should sing it because of that episode. Oh, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Lindsay Sand. And thank you so much for joining us for episode 103 of The Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy The Secrets of Star Wars. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Wars.